Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Are you a startup? Wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions, and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Well, I'd like to welcome you to another podcast here on You Wear It Well. And I'd like to welcome a special guest, uh, Dr. Wansup Lee. And he's going to share uh, his experiences most recently of um, something he's designed as well as what he's currently working on, plus uh, a few other informational bits here. So, Dr. Lee, it's Hi. all for you. Thank you. Thank you for your introduction. Uh, I'm Wansup Lee. Uh, I'm a PhD I studied in Korea and working at a university in South Korea. Um, yeah, based on the more or less 15 years of in, uh, experience in this area, uh, wearable product design based on 3D scanning, 3D body scan data and 3D anthropometry data and some design technology. Okay, well... Let's get into what you're working on currently, which I find is very interesting when we, we discussed uh, earlier about what, what you've come up with, which I think is, is, is fascinating. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the product that you designed or, or helped to design on for the eye. Yeah, um, recently I'm working together with a, a laboratory where I studied for my, my PhD. Uh, we have a company project uh, for the eye care, eye massager, so that uh, uh, there are some existing products, but those products has some problems like uh, too much pressure to the eye so that after using the eye massager, people feel some uncomfortability 
on their eyes. So we want to wanted to design some uh, more ergonomic, more user-centered design, which can appropriately uh, massage and also care the the eyes uh, by heating by by providing some heats and by providing some massage massaging the the functions to the eyes. Um, so that we need to understand about the human anatomical or anthropometric characteristics about the eyes around the eye and also these skull parts uh, to design somewhat uh, optimal shape uh, of the, the, the product. Okay. So what was, what was so challenging about designing this particular product? You've had lots of experience doing 3D scanning with anthropometry and and a little bit, we'll we'll talk about the, the, uh, the mask that you designed for the the Korean air force, but what was challenging about this, this particular product? You did mention about the eye and too much pressure with the recent product. Was that one of the challenges you had? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because what I designed before, for example, oxygen mask or other product, uh, helmets or uh, Google type VR devices, mostly the the product fit on a heart, heart. Uh, what is that? The heart tissues like uh, the chin, the bony part, or this scar part, or here. But this one, eye massager should fit around the eyeball. This is really sensitive part, so that not only uh, I know I, not only I need to care about the shape, but also we need to think of, of how to press the eyes, so that we working we we have work, worked with a uh, the doctor in the uh, eyes, um, and also we uh, we need to. S- study some previous literatures which are uh, the literature literatures about the eyes and then uh, we have been conducted several times of usability testing based on the product types so we changed some we change we have changed prototypes several a few times uh, to know which form is the best for the eyes. So that not only based on the 3D scan data or 3D anthropometric data, but also we we finally, uh, we, we are getting the final form based on the usability testing. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little about that uh, usability testing. What, where do you, when do you decide to, in the process of designing, when do you decide to, to do the usability and where do you look for your 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 subject, so to speak, or the people to to take a look at the usability of the prototype? Yeah, um, usability testing can be conducted in several times in in the product design process. So we are now in a kind of early phase. That means we have only forms, not it's, it's the product prototype is not function not functioning itself so it doesn't provide any heat or it's not actually massaging around the eyes so it's just people can wear if it fits or not so that uh, we have 
we have two parts. One is the frame, one is the uh, parts that actually uh, fit on the eyes. So the that parts, the uh, two part, both two parts we have designed uh, roughly and 3D, 3D printed. And uh, yeah, we have some alternative shapes so that it can be, the, the, the eye pressing part can be exchangeable uh, on the frame part so that, yeah, people, we, 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 have, we have tested a lot of, a few uh, design cases so the to to search what is more better for many people, but it's quite early stage, I, as I mentioned. So that we need to have another usability testing later, while the the product is can provides functions uh, as a eye care product, and and later usability testing can uh, pro can. Um, uh, make some different results sometimes, so that I cannot, we cannot be estimate current design is the best or not. But this way, in this way, we can have the initial shape, and then maybe there will be a little bit of advance of the initial shape or the actual product. I think. Okay, so we're seeing that this is this is a process. Once you get to a shape or design, that that's just the very beginning of yep. the usability testing. How, how do you go about selecting people for this usability testing? I mean, yeah, I mean, you're very well aware of anthropometric data, and so yeah. it, do you, is it hard to to look for a group of people? Do you look for a certain age group here, and then you get maybe several people from another age group? How do you do that from, from the university standpoint where you're at? Well, well as an academic study, uh, we consider the various range of participants, uh, women and men, and also different age groups, uh, sometimes different ethnic groups. For example, for the ear ear product design, we should call, uh, invite uh, not only Korean or Asian, but also we recruited Caucasians, uh, twenty years or twenty years old to up to sixty years old. So it was very tough at that time to collect various yeah different people for the ear ear study, but in this case. The message I care I messenger product we we it, the current current usability testing is kind kind of a small small scale test so that we just record it from the nearby but but yeah still we have some certain target so uh, but I'm I don't have the detailed information about that but. Uh, based on the discussion between a company and the universities we have certain the specs for the the yeah the user groups currently and so this the the particular part that you were talking about that actually fits that that fits around say from the, the forehead and and down around the eyes itself are you looking currently at at making it more adjustable so that 
you don't have to worry about like a, a respirator fit where you, you've got a mask like you talked about, we'll, we'll talk about shortly, where you, yeah, you, it needs to be fit. You, it needs to be airtight. This particular wearable, does it have that, that tight of specifications or can there be some adjustability built into it depending on the, the structure of the, the, the orbits and the cheek and the forehead? Yeah, of course we need to have, we need to consider that, uh, the adjustability function. So, you know, the, the distance between eye, which is different by people. So the more younger people, or I mean, the teenagers, they have the, their head form is more smaller than adults. So that those kind of, that's one of the consideration, the distance of between eyes. And also uh, this over form, starting from the ears uh, through, through the eye. This form is most more or less different between Westerners and also Asians. So that uh, it's a similar to the, the consideration for the VR headsets. So to, to, uh, to accommodate all, all the, uh, the ethnic groups over the world, the Asians, Caucasians, we need to care this shape uh, to do that. But but the hardware itself is not is to be banned, uh, so that we need to have we we need to have a kind of soft form around the the product. Um, but this product, I care. We don't we don't care that much of the this form because it, we don't need to fit here entirely. Only eyes, we we are carrying eye parts and uh, around eyes. So the, but the, for the VR glasses, the VR, uh, while they're using the VR glasses, the light should not leak in the, into the, uh, the device so that the entire fit is really important. But for the eye care device, we don't care that much of the shape. So the most important part is that shape around eyes and the distance of the eyes so that the massager part can be adjusted a little bit. And also uh, the distance also should be a little bit adjusted between the eyes. Those kind of adjustability functions need to be cared. Is this your first wearable where you've actually had uh, any consideration um, where it's, it's actually a, working with a part of the organ of the body, like for the eyes? Have, have you worked with anything like that before where it's, it's actually been a part of an organ like the eyes? Or is every because I know in the past you, you've done some 3D modeling and such and, and worked yeah. with, with the, the mask, which again, we'll talk about in just a little bit. Is, so is this your first time working with something like a sensitive area like the eyes? Yeah. Um, um, for example, of the design and mask part, we need to care about the breathing and also movement of the lip to, for the talking under the mask so that the anatomical changes of this part is, is one of the considerations for the mask design. Uh, for the ear, ear product, uh, not only fit outside of the ear, but also, you know, the ear canal, which is ear hole, more uh, deeper 
organ uh, of the ear. That is one of the considerations for uh, for the companies for for the appropriate fit as, as well as for the the sound delivery efficiently to to the ears. Um, and in my case, I also designed before uh, a pro heat protector to to pro uh, to prevent a hip fracture fracture the hip bone fracture or the the bone of the what is that the trochanters which is yes yeah which has a bow bow shape together with a a bone which could be easily broken uh or, or side of the hip so that the hip protects should care the internal structure of the hip so, and hip bones and the leg bones. So the, yeah, those kind of, uh, not only the anthropometric or data, the size or shape data of the body, but also we need to care the inside of the shape a little bit together with the outside of shapes. Yeah, very interesting. Okay. So you've had quite a bit of experience, it sounds like, then with not only just like you said, the anthropometrics, but the the anatomical, which sure. we don't always necessarily see because you know we have skin and, and, and other other tissues covering over it, like our nose, which is you know a fibral cartilage. So yeah, so those those particular structures do kind of hide what you're what you're having to deal with. So let's talk about the mask, because I think that's really fascinating. So tell us a little bit about the mask project that you had for the Korean Air Force. Yeah, uh, it was a study almost 10 years ago or more before. Um, uh, Korean Air Force pilots at that time, they uh, had used the, the Air Force, the masks, mask for, uh, the, which the mask is for uh, the oxygen supply, but also they communicate with the microphone in, in stored in the oxygen mask. So the oxygen mask is really important device for airport pilots. They because they uh, should communicate and also they need to get the they get oxygen for for the you know the because the high altitude, there are lack of, lack of oxygen so that they should have this. But the product, what they have used uh, was the, the U.S. product. I mean, they, they use U, U.S. product designed based on U.S. Air Force pilots, the mostly Western Caucasian pilots, so that the oxygen mask designed based on the U.S. pilots was not fit to Korean pilots, especially around the nose part. The nose part of Korean, uh, the it's really different. It's more wider. Nose, this nose bone is a little bit more wider, and the protrusion of the nose are the more less. I mean, small protrusion compared to the Westerners, so that. Uh, we need to have different shape, uh, otherwise the oxygen mask provides some unfit, uh, discomfort, and also the sometimes oxygen can be leaked to the uh, to through through the this nose part. So it, it was really uncomfortable for Korean pilots. And then we 
uh, in my study, together with Air Force, Air Force Academy, uh, we studied on design of new oxygen mask for Air Force pilots for Korean Air Force pilots. So the uh, yeah, at that time we scanned more than three hundred of Air Force pilots uh, and analyzed their shapes and. Uh, because the air the, the air purse the mask for the air purse pilots uh is not that soft it's more like a hard shell hard hard uh part together with a little bit of silicon rubber parts so it's the adjustability is quite smaller so that we need to have different sizes so the based on the analysis of the shape as well as the size of the Korean pilots, we found four different sizes, and each is for to design each the each size of, of the the oxygen mask. We um, I used a, a technology of uh, or methodology of the virtual fit. So uh, at that time, normally. Uh, people design a product based on the representative human model, which is one average shape or some representative shape. Uh, but I wanted to use all the 3D scan images I collected. So um, I applied the virtual fit evaluation method so that uh, the I used the 3D scan images of the Korean pilots, and once I designed some shape uh, of the of the oxygen mask, I virtually fit the shape to each of Korean pilots' 3D scan faces, and and calculated some fit between the design and and the 3D scans, and I iteratively change the design until I find I, I found that uh, best best shape uh, best design for the most of the or uh, most of the 3d faces and that was the starting uh, of my virtual fit study and afterwards I advanced the virtual fit algorithm and I uh, combined some uh, some computer-based technologies together with the virtual fit to uh, have more precise and also more quick quick analysis of the virtual fit for uh, for some common use of the virtual fit method in designs. Yeah. Okay. Well. That's fascinating that you, first of all, that you had, you got 300 pilots. That's, that's mm. a lot of subjects. Um, normally you don't see that in research. Um, I know for myself, when I look at research, if you've got a hundred or more, that's fantastic because that, that just gives you a really nice scope of, of, of uh, design possibilities. And then from there you can take a look at, okay, how are we going to try to integrate that? Which is what I want to ask you when you talked about doing one and taking a look at all the scans did you come up with one or more composite um, uh, faces were there was there just like were you 
challenged to do just one so that one mask fit? Or did you have some, um, like in the percentiles, did you say, I took some in the fifth percentile, I took some in the 95th percentile. How did you, did you work with that to come up with a mask that would work with mm-hmm. most of the pilots? Yeah. So the, uh, in order to decide the sizes of the oxygen mask, I first we generated a sizing system based on the anthropometric sizes. So the, for example, like uh, the head, face length, and at that time we used the lip width, and the face, face length and lip width. Yeah, you know the plots. The scatter plot, mm-hmm. yeah, using the face length and lip width, then we have a lot of point scatters uh, in, in the two axes. And then we drew the boxes co- to, to cover uh, the most of Korean pilots. So we drew, we could finally fi- found four different boxes that can cover more than, more than, I don't remember exact number, but more than. Uh, 90%. So it, it's a little bit different from the, the concept of the percentile. So percent, it's not like a percentile, but the sizing, the, yeah, we, but we consider the range. So that's, okay. yeah, 90, 90% or more. That, that's very good. Yeah, we, um, that's a good, that you talked about the, the scatter plots, because mm-hmm. most of us understand that, that uh, mm-hmm. that's a really neat way to do that, especially when you've, you've got data that seems to be all over the place because you've, you've had 300 subjects. So that's, there's going to be more chance for variability and at yeah. each end of the scale as well when you have that many people. So that provides quite a challenge for you, but at the same time, um, you're going to really have probably superior fit than if you had 25 pilots. So I think that, um, it's really good that you did that. Yeah. How long did that take to get all the data from 300 pilots? Yeah, it took more than several months. There's some, I, I don't, wow. I'm not sure, but three months is, but it, it was just getting the 3D, original 3D scan data. It took that, that period because also because they are military personnel, we need to get some permission uh, that we, we, that uh, we bring the 3D scan devices into the military base. And um, Air, Force, Air Force pilots, they are really busy with a, a lot of uh, training so that it was not easy to get all the pilots in, in the experimental place uh, in, in the schedule. So it took time. Some, sometimes we should... Uh, stay in the in the in the military base three days or mm. to have enough number of 3d scan images and afterwards the 3d scan images should be edited the original scan data is has some holes and some some spikes noises around the, the some area so it should be in a, uh, appropriately edited, and at that time I could I didn't have some computational skills for uh, the editing and post processing of the 3D scans, so that I by myself edited 
these 3D scan images manually by my hand. And it took a lot of another a lot of time for for the editing and post processing. Uh, yeah. So afterwards, after finished my PhD study, I one of my uh, following follow up study was that editing or post processing the three D scanning more easily uh, by applying some computational the algorithms, which is uh, the template model registration. So that's, that's that kind of some computer skills really helped, helped to, to the anthropometric study in, in my case. Well, it's certainly it, it's a nice story of being very persistent. You, you get all your data and you're excited about that. And then you go back to the laboratory and you go, wow, I have all of this to work with now. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, that that persistence to follow it through. So, what ended up what ended up happening with the mask? Is the Air Force now using it? Um, afterwards, there was some some issues about the, you know, some some issues. I mean, not not only about the the form, but um, it's really different. I mean, the industry can easily change their design. But the military has some more strict rules or some different system about the the, the communication, so that uh, at some point, well, it took time. It took long time to convince to change the oxygen mask. That it it should be they should change because to to improve the health of the Korean pilot or, and also to improve the uh, performance of uh, the pilots uh, in, in emissions. But so, but yeah, the, pro, the, the project was somewhat uh, accurately finished at the end, still under discussion uh, about the changing the oxygen mask design from the current one to the new one, so the yeah, it was a little bit it was it was a pity, and I'm 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 currently uh, hoping yeah the oxygen mask is well used for mm -hmm. Korean pilots. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up. That a lot of times you you have from your end something that is. It's a product. You feel it's ready to go. And then industry says, yeah, we can go ahead and manufacture it. But yeah. then your your consumers, okay, in this case, the Korean Air Force said, well, we're not so sure. We, mm -hmm. you know, so now it takes it's it's like in a lot of governments, you know, there's a bureaucracy. Right. There's there's yeah. all these layers you have to get through. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, yeah. you know, could the pilots have been using this superior mask and had mm -hmm. less risk of of losing oxygenation at 38,000 feet while they're flying an airplane or passing out or, you know, things like that. Yeah. It's, um, I, I laugh about that and, and not in a, in a negative way, but I see that in the medical field too, is that yeah. sometimes there's so many hurdles to get a product over that how yes. many people could have been helped, you know, had it come out years before. So yeah. um, yes, frustration, but at, at that point, 
you've done everything you can. And so that's not your fault. You know, you've done the work, which is, uh, well, I think it's yeah. very good work. <laughs> Thank you. Do that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your understanding. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's just a, a frustration. I think that all of us outside of these regulatory agencies uh, mm -hmm. get very frustrated with very easily. How did you get interested? <laughs> Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology, and may you wear it well.